Okay, folks. Well, this is our uh, our special Friday thing that we're going to be giving you uh, every Friday through the year end. Uh, these are these are specials. These are special episodes of things that you've never heard before. There's no way you could have heard the one I'm going to you know play for you today. There's no way because I my producer sent me an email saying he had the, he had some stuff that no one's ever heard before. He found it in a box under his bed. Some uh, some stuff uh, some discs that uh that represent me a decade ago so i'm gonna I, I don't know exactly what they are so i'm gonna call brendan mcdonald right now and uh and like get the uh get the lowdown on and, and also to ask him why well, i'd like to know if i'm okay with whatever the hell this this stuff is so so let me uh, let me call brendan hello Hey, Brendan. Hey, man. It's Mark. Hey, so all right. So I got the email. So what are what are these uh, these unheard bootleg uh, recordings you have of me? Okay. Well, these are like there really is no one other than maybe one other person who has ever heard this stuff, and I did not know that I had these. I'm serious about that. Like people might think that I'm just making that up. I did not know they existed. Yeah. Um, I had, I thought that I had given them over to somebody, but I just found them in a shoebox, literally in a shoebox. They were discs from 2006. Ooh. When you and I went out to L.A., uh-huh. you were heading back home after two years stint at Air America. Right. And, and uh, we were set up to do a show out in L.A. Uh, for the local Air America affiliate there. KTLK. Which we thought with a gig that was just going to be set up for us. Right. Yeah. We thought uh, we thought we were st- that was the uh, that was the Siberia gig. That's like yeah, you have a show. Uh, it's in the in the middle of the night. Right. Preempted by Clippers games most of the time. Yeah. Like that was yeah that was the worst where we were doing it live, but uh, we had to wait for the basketball game to end, and we'd just be sitting there waiting to go on the air. But. In order to get that show, I don't even know if you remember this. Yeah. But I'm, I'm sure you remember that guy, Don Martin, who was the program director there. Horrible person. He, yeah, he hated you. Yeah, hated. Hated me because of, uh, because of his love for Stephanie Miller. Yes, you had, uh, you had uh, you In- know, kind of tried to do a little radio war with Stephanie Miller. Yes. You know, trying to do what radio jocks do. And he did not take kindly to that. Stephanie didn't take kindly to that either, but you, you two have since made up. Yes, we have. Uh, Don and I are not good though. I, I've not uh, reached out to him. I've not heard from him. That's, that's not surprising. Uh, <laughs> but we, we, we thought we were going to go there. We thought that the air America people had set this up. We thought it was, uh, okay, great. We're going out there to do this show on the air America affiliate. Well, Don Martin wanted none of it. And in fact, not only did he make us kiss the ring, he made us create pilot shows to be heard only by him, where we had to, we had to basically put our best foot forward and, and make a show right. that this guy could listen to. Yeah. I, I don't even know if you have a memory of this. We went into the Burbank studio for a couple of days, and we recorded some interviews and comedy bits and just general uh, uh, stuff that we like to put on the radio. Uh, and presented it to Don Martin, and he is the only person who has ever heard these interviews, which when I listened to them, when I pulled them out of the box and listened to the CD, I was like, oh, this is like proto-WTS stuff. This is like Mark 
hanging around with comedians, trying to find his footing in a world that he would no longer really knew what his place was. And, uh, and, and it's basically a precursor to what we did in 2009. Oh, so this is, uh, this is Radio Mark. It's Radio Mark. It's also Bitter Mark. So this, this one we're going to play today <laughs> is uh, you and Patton Oswalt. Yeah. Patton, Patton was not even a, a, a huge like, household name or anything at the time, but he was known for, for being in King of Queens and, and uh, you know, a respected comic uh, among people who are fans of comedy. Um, but I, I, you, you, everyone will be able to hear that there is uh, there is a little undercurrent of, of old Mark uh, intruding on this conversation with Pat. <laughs> so this is what two thousand and six or seven? It's over ten years ago. It was the winter of two thousand six. As I recall, we it was not not inherently that political a show. No, I mean there's some politics stuff that I that I mean, I'm not even going to bother including here because it's so dated and, right. and it doesn't even like who who even knows what you're talking about but the stuff with, with the comedian friends that you brought in it really is a precursor uh to what you wound up doing twice a week um especially in the first year of wtf where you were interviewing almost exclusively comics do you have other shit in that box i mean is there stuff that yes i do so so i figure for the next couple of weeks we'll we'll hear some of this stuff okay uh, from those old pilot shows and then i got to thinking like we have other stuff that people have never heard before. No one has heard. And why don't we just start releasing these things? Because um, some of these things have not been heard uh, for, for reasons that are, are not about them being bad. There are, are other stories and other reasons behind people not having heard these things. So we're just going to roll these out. It's like the uncovered WTFs. Okay. And, uh, and, and the, these are the ones that started 10 years ago over there in Burbank in the like clear channel radio mill, uh, mostly surrounded by conservative right wing talkers. And, and, and we, we knew we had to like do a real thing because this guy could have very easily given us the thumbs down and said, uh, no, thank you. So this was the best you and I could do in 2006. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. As you remember, we imaged the show, the, the whole sound design of the show, we thought, well, this is going to be late night. Let's do like Artie Shaw music, like big band style uh, intros and outros. And, and Jim Earl was your sidekick. He was like your Ed McMahon. Oh, yeah. And we had him like playing a, 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 a small miniature guitar and doing his own theme songs for the show on the, on the ins and outs. Oh, was that on there too? Yeah. Oh, great. All right. Well, I'm, I'm excited to hear it. All right, man. Well, enjoy. And I hope everybody else likes it too. All right. I'll talk to you later. Okay. All right, now let, let me play that stuff for you. It's going to be exciting. Live from Burbank, California, the only Spanish land grant Spain never wanted back. It's the Mark Marin Show. And now a nice guy, but he drives like a big Jew. Mark Marin. What does that even mean, Jim Earl? Little Jimmy Earl? What you're, does that mean? You're a horrible driver. I am not. I'm a genius driver. Good no. morning. Good afternoon. Good evening, geniuses, philosopher kings and queens, working class heroes, progressive utopians with no sense of humor. Of course, you lurking conservatives. How are you out there? I'm very excited about tonight's show. Jim, or, uh, a friend of ours, maybe you know him as well. He's uh, You might know him from the Sierra Mist commercials. 
Uh, Patton Oswalt will be here in a few minutes. Uh, some of you might know him. He's also a comic, and he's done some TV work. But the uh, Sierra Mist commercial where, where his kilt blows up, I think that's what a lot, of, when, a lot of people don't know him for that either. But you say, you know that Sierra Mist commercial where the kilt blows up? And they're like, oh, that's a, that guy's funny. I saw him. He also had some small parts in movies. But uh, hopefully he's funny, and he'll be here in a few minutes. I, uh, I love Patton. Of course, he's the uh, comedy comedians of comedy tour and tv show and uh, many other things we'll talk to him in a second jim i tried to call you earlier because we were going to be late coming in the studio because we were busy at producing the show in my garage yeah and uh, i called you and i got your phone message and it's cute but the really funny part is sort of surprising you might have to call we, your phone yeah, we'll yeah, just, let's call let's call, call, it up let's, call let's call jim's cell phone we're calling uh, we're calling your phone it's off right it's not uh, yeah, we would have heard it god i'm a dummy I would have heard it if it was on, wouldn't I? You're very technical. That's stupid. I'm stupid. All right, wait, wait, wait. We gotta, all right, all right. We gotta hear it pick up. How many rings do you put on it here before it picks up, Jim? Is I have no idea. Ostentatious. This is compelling radio because it's wait. built in. All right, here we go. Jim Earl. To page this person, press five now. Now, what you know? What's <laughs> funny about about that? It's not you going, Jim Earl. It's because of that tone, the woman afterwards saying, uh, yeah. if you want to page this person, press one, actually sounded judgmental. Like, who the hell would want to page that person? <laughs> I, I yeah. that she really gets the uh, the best beat on that one. You had, I'm, I'm, you had no intention of that, did you? Uh, no, I, no, I didn't. I, I don't understand what you're talking about. All right. Either. All right. I, Let's, just, uh, I think it works nicely, and it works well for my career. Okay. <laughs> I want to do my. Uh, I don't need help. I'm all right. I okay, just need right. assistance. Well, hey, let's, need... let me. I got another letter for God. All right, because I'm becoming a more spiritual person. Can I do it? Can yeah. I do it now? Sure, I'm not going to stop you. God, it's me, Mark. Quick question. I've been kind of an a in my life. Will I reap what I sow? Are all of my misdeeds going to come back at me? Is karma real? I didn't plan it like that. You humans created all these tricks to play on yourselves and each other to make you act better. You people have more power than you think. If you believe you have it coming, it probably will. If you don't, it won't. It's all in your head, stupid human. I mean, Mark. That's your name, right? Mark? Gotta go. This has been real interesting. Good stuff. Yeesh. Yeah, I don't... Uh, I, I'm not always happy with my existential god. Is there another god up there that could talk to me? Mark, yeah, this is a uh, this is Jim God, and uh, you know I was, I was I was I'm sorry I was preoccupied with I was calling up Jim Earl's message machine thing there. <laughs> I, I love that. Yeah. With uh, he goes Jim Earl. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks, man. Thanks, God. It's really appreciate. How about a patent, God? Patent. Uh, yeah, you know it's really interesting. There was a time that I was also worried about that I may have been an ass my life and this stuff might come back to you but I actually think that uh, the karma is just like the afterlife you go where you think you ought to go when you die so you have come back to you what you think you ought to have come back to you it's a little trick that I actually uh, put into you guys that you think you're playing on yourselves but actually programmed in that you have a subconscious guilt that's going to um, feed back onto itself you already know what's coming back because you know what you secretly want to have come back you're all masochists it's programmed into you wow I just got nerd god Oh, my God. <laughs> also, have you seen what Ed Brubaker's been doing on the new Captain America thing? Ever since he took that comic over, that whole Winter Soldier thing's ridiculous. Thank you, God. That was all very helpful. Thank you, gods. We, we had, uh, that, the, the patent God scared me a little bit. Nerd God. Got a little, <laughs> nerd God got a little complicated. Nerd, this nerd comic 
Facebook. God, what the... But, of course, you're talking about a guy who, uh, in one of his early punchlines, was very clear about the Gordian Knot reference. Gordian Knot. Oh, yeah, I remember that. The Gordian Knot. Wow, I love that. That's a... Man. So I'm going to talk to Patton Oswalt in just a second. Uh, you might know him. He plays the couch on King of Queens. And uh, also he's in the Sierra Mist commercials where his kilt blows up. And we're going to talk about guns. Patton Oswalt coming up next. And now, back to a man obsessed with Marion Davies' clitoris. Mark Marin. Hey, hey, what, how does, who even knows what that is? It's, it's Rosebud. Yeah, Patton's waving his hand. Patton Oswald's already in the house. <laughs> a dear friend of mine, actually. I, I think we are dear friends, although, uh, you know, we don't talk much, and uh, I resent him. Mm-hmm. I, I think that, uh, really, over the years, we met many years ago. We both coincidentally moved to San Francisco. Uh, Skisco. Yes, yeah, he moved to San Francisco. I, of course, moved to San Francisco, which was the part where it took me. It's it's the part of town where it takes longer to get famous. Uh, but <laughs> <laughs> he's uh, he's one of the comedians of comedy. He's on that tour. He's on that TV show. You've seen him on the King of Queens. He has several CDs out. He's a big bit player in many movies, and of course, the Sierra Mist commercial. The very funny Pat Oswalt. Hi, <laughs> how are you? I'm good. You, you look well. You look rested and. Uh, yeah. I haven't seen you in a while. You have new glasses. I have new glasses. Do you remember yeah. we always did that thing where it's sort of, what kind of yours? Are you just titanium? Let me see. Right. It. And we are taking my bend them and, you know. You're the first guy that had the titanium and you're like, look at this. Look, just in case your head bends. Exactly. Yeah, right. Yeah. In case you're in, in case you're suddenly hit with eight G-forces, your glasses will be fine <laughs> for some reason. So we were talking about guns earlier, and you uh, now because I know you got some dough. You know you're doing all right for yourself. <laughs> yeah. You live down the street from here. You got a swimming pool and a gas grill in your backyard. I swear to God, people bring up that I have a swimming pool like that's a sign of success in okay, Hollywood. Okay, I'll be honest. But that's such a like a, a Beverly Hillbilly '60s like the the electrician that lives across the street from me has a pool. That having a pool is not that big a deal anymore. That's like this guy's got a color TV of his own in his house. Is it crazy? I go to his house. He's you see. I swear to God, the Law and Order guy. That Sam Waterson's pink. <laughs> this guy's loaded. You do have one of those really nice TVs too. Oh, I do. That's a oh. good one. Is that is that the high D? De- what? Is That's the- a huge high definition. T- I got that as a gift though for doing a rerun in a movie. I I f- just had my first experience with high definition TV. I, I did the Conan show like a couple weeks ago, and mm-hmm. I'm watching. They got one out now where the the writers watch their jokes oh, work yeah. or not work. Yep. And I'm looking at Conan. I'm like, oh my god, the makeup industry has got to catch up with this technology. Well, that's the thing that I've I learned the hard way on King of Queens is you have now got to put on double the makeup that you normally wear when you go on TV for the high def stuff because you will look like a mole man that they well, captured they, well, and shaved and put in front of the camera. It's exactly. It's not that. It, it's not like that. Conan's necessarily unattractive, but you can see. <clears throat> What uh, what they're trying to cover? It's not yeah. they, they no longer serve its Here's purpose. Here's a fun thing to do if you have a high def TV: yeah. watch a few good men. Yeah. Because in the early '90s, there was this technique they were trying that they've long since stopped doing this, where they would put your makeup on, but then starting from here under, mm-hmm. they would put really dark makeup on. Right. To give you a cut on your chin. I'm, I'm, why am I pointing a like shadow? you can see? Like like they when you would start to get your waddle like I have now. Yeah. They would put really dark makeup on. So watch Jack Nicholson in that movie on a high def TV. It looks like he is a mime like there's the light makeup and then there's this dark obvious dark brown thing they put there to give him a cut on his chin well, that's and it's interesting. so obvious when you watch it 
high def. It's it's a little unnerving. Even stuff that was wasn't shot necessarily in high def it resonates even clearer because it's it was any light through celluloid is the most clear thing you can have. So light oh, through celluloid so it just does is, it on its own. It re- exactly. Oh, it keeps. My God. So when you watch these early ninety movies with guys that were getting a little older, you see this. This stupid technique they were doing, and then they realized, oh, we can't do this anymore because it. So now, all right. So you, well, I guess my point was is that uh, before I was being snide, but I, I don't mean yeah. to be snide. Is that you do have a life, you've got a house. Have you had a discussion about uh, protecting the house? I'm sure you have an yeah. alarm system. Yes, um, we have an alarm system. You know, here's the thing: um, people that are against guns and people that are for guns both cannot admit a very, very basic thing about guns, and it's why they are both for and against them. Guns are so goddamn cool. They are so goddamn cool. If you're into guns, people that are into guns will just go, oh no, it's my right to have. They never say, no, having a gun is, you ever held a gun? Oh yeah. It is awesome. It's solid. And people who are against guns are all like, guys, it's because they're, they're small penises and they're terrified. They don't want to admit that if, I mean, I it's did the, a movie yeah. two weeks ago and I had to fire an Uzi one-handed. Yeah. It was one of the greatest things I think I've ever done in my life. Yeah. I was purposely blowing takes so they could reload it with blanks. It's a and comedy, I could right? Shoot it again. It was a comedy. Oh, okay. But I was shooting an Uzi one handed <laughs> as they're, I mean, chasing a golf cart. It was the greatest thing I've ever. Well, so and, they, they and put now, uh, blanks in it, but you still get the same resonance. Oh, you get my that. God. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, like, and, and they even say blanks are not blanks. They still. It, it, it fires a heat charge, and yeah. if you it'll point at someone, you. you'll, you'll kill people. Well, that's my wife has been taking shooting lessons. She's been going to a go? range. I'm not sure the name of the place, but her friend is taking her, and she's signed up. And she wants to. Her, you would you would be thrilled. Well, not thrilled, but you'd be interested in this. Her grandfather was this guy uh, Chick Gaylord, who wrote a book called The Handgunner's Manual. He was like this famous guy. He used to show up on What's My Line. He was the fastest draw in the world at one time. Wow! But he was this weird little guy that made holsters in a in a closet shop in Hell's Kitchen and he got this reputation with cops and stuff and he had all these techniques and he invented the ankle holster. Sweet. So, so now she's got this in her jeans or something but I agree with you is that there's something about holding a gun where you're like oh my god I'm peeing. This it is, is the awesome. Best thing in it the really world. is. Yeah. But I mean if you can just admit that then you can get beyond it and actually have the real argument of now do we actually because yeah I believe a gun it's is, a death magnet though. I really believe that. Oh no it, it is it's a death magnet especially because when you own a gun your whole life can go to crap but a gun is this beautifully made, sweated over, worried over, precision, Mm. almost surgical steel instrument. And there's something so final about it, something so non-argumentative about a gun. It's just a gun is a gun. It's beautiful made. It's handcrafted. It's going to end up in the hands of the guy that just broke into your house. (laughs) Exactly. That's the other thing people say about guns is people, when you actually point a gun at someone, you you freak out. You're like, oh my God, I'm going to go to jail for killing someone. But like- Let's say your life is falling apart, so your your marriage is falling apart, and she doesn't quite know, mm-hmm. and and everyone at work hates you, and they don't really won't really say why, mm. and your career's not really working out. And it's all for these vague, vague, vague I get reasons. it, I get it, I get, it. I know where I'm at. But a gun is not vague. It, the gun is the one thing that's like I will never be yeah. vague on you. Yeah. If you point it at your head, yeah. I promise I'll kill you. <laughs> if you put me away, I promise I won't kill you. There's no middle ground with a gun, and yeah. there, there's something kind of weirdly you, comforting you, about you, that. Yeah. You pull this, there will be closure. Yeah. Exactly. Some kind. Something yeah. will happen. There will right. be a connection made. Yeah, with your career, you can show up tomorrow. Maybe it'll take a right turn into something good. Maybe it won't. There's no... 
I'll pull the trigger and maybe a, a, a pound cake will come out. No, <laughs> a, a bullet, bullet will come out and kill you. There's, it's the same every single time. I remember one time my dad became uh, sort of obsessed with, with guns. And, you know, my dad's kind of manic depressive. And it was very funny. because <laughs> he shouldn't have guns then. Well, right. But there was a period in his life where he would he actually had a, a 38, a Saturday night special in his glove <laughs> compartment, and a bottle of second all. Because right? he didn't know what he was going to have to do. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. But I had the opportunity to go out and shoot guns. There was one time where oh. my brother went over to, we went over to his house. Me and my brother, uh, my brother and I, Craig, went to his, uh, visit his house when he was living in Arizona. And we walk in, my dad's literally on his bed with seven or eight guns, just sitting there going, look at these. I'm like, oh man, what's happened to my father? But it is interesting. So you've shot. You've, you've, oh yeah. Here's yeah. A, there, there's a place right here in Burbank, right up on Victory. I don't know if I can say the name. Can I? It's called The Firing Line. Yeah. Every Saturday morning. They open at 10, but if mm. you show up at like 8.45, starting at 9, and it's, you just got to know about it, you show up right before the early clock, and they will let people in and give you a free three-hour gun clinic, and they'll teach you how to shoot guns. Well, it's like I think it's like 60 bucks. That's what coffee. my wife did. That's what he They have coffee did. and donuts for you. Just drink coffee and donuts and shoot guns all morning, and it is so, it is so totally awesome. And again, guns are like rock music. It's all about... Topping each other. I remember. Remember when the forty-four Magnum is the most powerful handgun mm-hmm. in the world. Mm-hmm. Then there's this company called Kasul. I think it's. I, I know I'm mispronouncing it. They came out with the four fifty-five, which right. is more powerful. And right. then Smith and Wesson, like a bunch of snotty teenagers, came out with the fifty-caliber handheld right. Magnum just to go. Meh. Yeah. And no, then, we're the biggest now. Yeah. And you know that that a 51 will come out in a year. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's all just like rock guys sure, just sure. fighting with each other. And, and, and the promo is like, this gun will take your arm off when you <laughs> shoot it. Yeah. It's like, you can only shoot it once. And you're like, <laughs> yeah. Your arm flies back. You will die using this gun. It'll kill you first and then whoever you put right, it Well, in. we're going to go shooting and we're going to talk to Patton a little more. We're going to see what he's doing. We're talking about the comedians of comedy mm-hmm. and what that means. <laughs> <laughs> take us out, Jim. Mark Barron Show! Mark Maron Show! Mark Maron Show! On the radio! Uh, Good God Almighty! Uh, uh, (coughs) Mark Maron Show! Yeah! Now back to the next host of Dancing with the Stars, Mark Marin. Thank you, Jim. We're here with uh, Pat Oswalt, and we were just on the break talking a little bit more about guns and how enchanting they are and how deadly they are. If you want to hear that conversation, you you can go to the website, uh, markmarin.com. So, Patton, uh, you just said you were doing a movie. Now, I'm not, uh, I'm, you know, as I get older, I've grown uh, capable of, of actually being happy for my friends, though it's hard sometimes. The Comedians of Comedy Tour goes on. It goes on, even though we did our first season on Comedy Central, because we did the movie. Mm-hmm. This is so convoluted. They liked the movie. They bought the TV series. They did six episodes. It did really well, and then they didn't pick it up. Okay. Um, so we are now, we're, we're doing the tour anyway, because the tour is just fun to do. And then we're going to shop around to other networks, which now, is such a lame thing to do. Yeah, I hate going out hat in hand, but I guess you got it. I mean, if Arrested Development can do it, I, you know, what, I can. So. What is the, the nature of the comedians of comedy? Are they, It's sort of a, a tongue-in-cheek thing because I, yeah. I know there are two. I come from the same school of comedy that you do. We believe that there are two worlds of comedy out there. Yeah. Well, you should talk One about is this. Dying, I mean, though. Uh, yeah, thank God. I, I think that I'm just so sick of... 
the blank of comedy or I'm a blank comedian. Right, right, right. I'm a black yeah. comedian. Like, yeah. Just there's comedians and there's there's funny comedians and not funny comedians and I think that there's room for everyone. So I so wanted to make fun of the there are two things, there are two trends I hate in comedy right now. That compartmentalizing thing. Sure. You know? And then also that whole thing that came about with um Last Comic Standing, which was you have got one shot. Your career comes down to this five minute set, and if you blow it, that's it. And it's so like that's that that was was that mentality. Remember in the early eighties where you go on Carson and you got your five minutes, and he either waves you over or not, and that's it. That's wait, your shot. But, but, and and it made so many people second guess what they do. Wait, but th- I, I'm not sure I agree with you because caused, I think that no, when they did Carson, that they, they I think that the last comic standing for some of those people, it it is their last shot. But, but what I'm saying is why put that thought into people's heads right. sometimes when people are at their the end of their rope and it mm. feels like all the doors are closing that's when you can get really inspired things happening when someone goes I don't care anymore I've lost my fear unless you have a gun uh, yeah unless you have a gun <laughs> and a lot of people get, I mean Richard Pryor had a huge yeah, crisis when, where yeah. his career just sure. collapsed and he went you know what screw it and he moved to San Francisco had, and started right Started over again. He had the collapse where it's like I, you know, I'm doing Cosby. I can't, can't do Cosby. There's already this. a Cosby. Yeah. But I, I, I find it very interesting because I'm the same way as you. I think a lot about this stuff, and people from college newspapers interview me as well. Don't think I don't read the. Thanks for saying the nice things about me. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you made me. You sound were like a huge it. influence, man. Yeah, thank you. And, and you yeah, were. And now not only on me, but like this whole alternative scene. People like you and Dana Gould. Yeah. And Janine, you were like you know the, the Johnny Cash, Elvis Costello. <laughs> television New York dolls of this whole scene. So I feel because, like an old man. I feel like, because I know that you and I, on some level, we sort of started in one part of your career, we started together. But sort I was, of. Sort of. But uh, I, I know. But I had the luxury it. of like, when I was still young, I had places like the Largo and that whole San Francisco yeah. scene. But you and Dana and Janine had to develop them in you know, Uncle yeah. Quacker's, you know, <laughs> fart hut. And you literally had you had you had no reference points. You you I had know. to you were totally unprecedented. But you influenced me as well, you know, because uh, getting to know you uh, when we were in San Francisco, I was like, wow, this guy's doing the big thinking. I got to learn how to get out of my head a little bit. <laughs> but uh, but thanks for being with us. I hope you come on oh, again, Pat. Thanks, man. Yeah, anytime. Okay, great. There we go. Next week's show on Monday, we've got uh, Jack Bulware, uh, the great uh, funny writer and friend of mine. Sammy the Stem Cell will make an appearance. The War on Brains, of course, will be here. And I think my dad's movie reviews, if I can get him on the phone in the right state of mind, will do that. So uh, thank you to uh, Jim Merle, Brendan McDonald on the board, Steve Rosenfeld for moral support and the strange judgmental look through the entire show without saying much of anything. So uh, good night, sheeple. Have a great weekend. Well, that was interesting, huh? You got to hear old Radio Mark talking to uh, a younger Patton. That's a younger, more bitter Mark doing radio, talking to Patton Oswalt. So uh, we'll be back next week with the uh, two regular WTF episodes and another edition of The Vault with stuff no one has ever heard before, perhaps even me. So uh, these are fun, right? Boomer lives!